Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. How often do you have to do things at work that you absolutely hate? The jobs that no one wants but have to be done. I imagine it happens to you on a pretty regular basis and maybe even more now than ever before. Well, good news. I'm going to share how you can work through those tasks and moments and actually enjoy them. And I get to do this by watching the fourth episode of the first season of Lower Decks, Moist Vessel. The Cerritos has teamed up with the USS Merced to relocate an ancient generational ship for further study. Captain Freeman used to serve with the captain of the Merced, Captain Durango, who's a Tellarite. Now, Tellarites are a race in Star Trek that we really don't dive into all that much, but they are a founding member of the Federation. Of the four founding members of the United Federation of Planets, the Tellarites seem to have the least background development, at least from the shows. Well, here, there's a slightly less than friendly competitive spirit between the two of them. They are supposed to sync up their tractor beams and drag this ship to a starbase. Now, the ship has this substance on it that allows for immediate terraforming, and the Federation wants to learn more about it. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Freeman and Durango are briefing the crews. Starfleet believes this alien vessel is equipped with unique terraforming technology. And Mariner is very much showing her best self. Even the slightest flux in tractor beam stabilization could damage. <sighs> oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. It is just so much information. Freeman has Commander Ransom, the first officer, assign her terrible tasks, hoping that she'll get upset and request a transfer. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't work out quite the way they were hoping. She's having a great time. What? She's finding little ways to inject joy into otherwise horrible tasks. In the meantime, Tendi is going to attend an ascension. Some people who master the art of alien meditation can achieve inner peace. Then they transcend the physical realm and become a being of pure energy. Pure energy. She joins a circle of people around Lieutenant O'Connor. He's created a big old sand mandala and appears to be nearing his ascension. That is, until Tendi gets distracted by some of the decorations and drops a gong 
ruining his mandala. I've been laying that for two years. Yeah, she screwed this all up and is now obsessed with making it right and helping him ascend, following him everywhere. Feeling like they're all out of options, Freeman hits Mariner with the one thing that she knows for sure she will hate. Ensign Beckett Mariner, no, 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 I am no, no. pleased to grant you a promotion. Uh, no. Congratulations, Lieutenant Mariner. Lieutenant? This means staff meetings, hanging out with the senior staff, and playing all the reindeer games, and she hates it. The competitive spirit between Freeman and Durango continues, and things are not going well. We're in charge of this mission, Lieutenant. Our positioning should reflect that. The Durango moves, unbalances the tractor beams, and rips off a piece of the hull plating. Some of the terraforming stuff travels across the tractor beams and starts lodging itself on the ships aggressively, growing plants, dissolving the holes, and bringing all these geographic, geologic things into reality. It's pandemonium as people try to find safety. Tendi and O'Connor end up in engineering, trapped. He eventually sacrifices himself to save Tendi, and this, this leads to his ascension. Mariner is able to figure out how to change the chemical makeup of the ship's atmosphere and saves the day. Totally shuts down the terraforming. An admiral comes on board to recognize Freeman and Mariner for their bravery and ingenuity. Mariner can't keep her mouth shut, though, making fun of how they say censors. Or censors. Or censors. Well, either way, that gets her knocked back down to Ensign. Uh, I'm pretty good at getting demoted. In the last hour? Uh, yeah. And everything is back to normal. I remember watching this one when it first came out. I was still figuring out just what Lower Decks was. Like most of the people watching it at the time, really. At the time, I felt like it was so fast-paced and it was just poking fun at a lot of Star Trek. But having seen it a few times now and having gotten a better grasp on the love letter to Star Trek that Lower Decks really is, I enjoy this one a lot more. But if I'm being honest, this one was fun, but probably in the lower part of my Lower Decks rankings. Let's look at why. Come to Gorks, Gorks is fun. Come right now, go Gorks, run! I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. I think I've said it before, but it bears repeating here. Lower Decks is a full-length episode crammed into a half hour. It moves fast, a lot happens, and there really isn't any breathing room. This early in the series, I was still getting used to the pace of it, and it made it hard for me to really invest. But now, I see it so differently. Yeah, it is absolutely fast-paced, but, but there actually is breathing room baked in. The show leans into being a cartoon, so it revels in the effects and the possibilities it can provide. This episode absolutely did that. They spent chunks of time with the terraforming stuff that would have cost a fortune on a live-action show, and probably, if we're being real, would have looked ridiculous. But here it was great. Plus, it gave us a time to catch our breath while enjoying some action. Now, the show absolutely does poke at Star Trek tropes, and this episode was no exception. It's not necessarily making fun of it, but it's definitely poking. One of my favorites was making fun of the way they say censors. Whoa, 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 I am sorry. Are you trying to say the word censors? Because to me, you're saying censors. Back in the original series, this is how Leonard Nimoy chose to say the word. 
Now, there's a lot of myths out there about why he made that choice. Nimoy is from Boston and had a bit of an accent. So some people believe that he said it this way just to get over that. Can I park my car in Harvard Yard? I'm not aware of any appointments about Havant yet. Others say it was a conscious choice just because he thought it would sound different. But regardless of which one is true, the word is part of the Trek zeitgeist. A lot of characters have said it this way, and Lower Decks is calling the franchise out on it. And this one really made fun of TNG. Watching other officers perform theater or music, going to each other's birthdays and poker nights. We just talked about a TNG poker game in the 76th episode of the podcast when we watched The Quality of Life. Since that episode, I saw a great meme that has a screenshot of them playing poker saying, Troy can sense your emotions. Jordy can see through your cards. Data can process a gazillion possibilities in a second, but Riker is the best player out of the bunch. <laughs> well, games on the Cerritos don't really have the interpersonal development or the, the interactions that we saw in TNG. Look alive, Mariner. This game's about to get very interesting. And after that, they all just literally fold their hands. What makes this all work is that they aren't just making fun of the show. It's actually showing us that they're in on the joke too. Like, We've all thought these things at different points, and the show is literally saying, me too, me too, I'm laughing at this thing too. I mean, how often have you thought about the holodeck and what people would actually really use it for? I've got our emptying out of the holodeck's filter. Ugh, people really use it for that? Oh yeah, it's mostly that. I mean, we all knew this, we just never really talked about it, and in my opinion, never really should. Unless you're one of these, you know, maybe slash fiction writers out there that has made judicious use of this. And hey, if that's you, good on you. Welcome to the club. But all of this is a caring way to have fun with the audience and acknowledge some of the very, very ridiculous stuff that we've tolerated and accepted in Star Trek for a very long time. Okay, I said we were going to look at why this is not a favorite episode for me. First, there's this whole Ascension storyline that's really just meant to show us Tendi's insecurity and her need to be liked. But on the way, they just kind of stepped on some really cool ideas. Tendi mentioned the ways different cultures achieved Ascension, which would have been cool, but it was all played for laughs. Spirituality is about connection and inclusivity. Do you ever see the people that you grew up with? I don't know. I cut them out of my life a long time ago. And then, when Dude finally does ascend, they turn it into some joke about a koala and Abraham Lincoln. It just felt, it felt easy, right? Kind of ridiculous. Now, if they go to the koala at some point and we learn about this, that, that would be kind of cool. But in this one, like the entire B story, I don't know, it just, it just didn't really hold up outside of the couple jokes they wanted to squeeze in. Then there was the way they decided to show Mariner grating on Freeman's nerves. Mariner! I am trying to hold it in. Like, it's just not funny. The joke didn't translate to TV well at all. And, and while I get what they were going for, it just, it really fell flat and was pretty annoying. But one thing I did really like in this one, I love it when a joke or a story is underwhelming. But the point was that it be underwhelming. Like, like the aristocrats joke. Don't YouTube that if you have kids around. But the joke is all build up that can last a very, very long time. And then a, then a really stupid, disappointing punchline. But the punchline, the actual joke, is that buildup. Setting up your expectations for one thing, 
and then going in an entirely different direction. At this point in the show, it is crystal clear that Boimler will do absolutely anything he needs to to get promoted. And when he sees Mariner get the pip and the pop to Lieutenant, he loses his mind. She breaks rules, halfways a lot of her work, and then she gets promoted? Ah, he can't stand it. But he does learn. So he decides he's going to try the same thing. Uh, gotta figure out a way to be bad, get a promotion. Gotta be bad, Boimler, gotta be bad. So this whole thing gets built up, and we're left to imagine what he's going to do just for things to go wild with the terraforming stuff, and then he spills some coffee on Ransom. It's so dumb. It's just, it's stupid, but it's hilarious. His whole plan to be bad fell apart with all the buildup and everything. Poor guy can't win or lose. This was a great joke. This is a fun episode that moves the Mariner, Freeman, mother-daughter stuff forward. And it has a pretty cool little story about an ancient ship and some terraforming stuff. It's not bad at all, but not one I'm recommending necessarily for like a first-time viewer. Also, it's called Moist Vessel and... That's just kind of gross. Command codes verified. We have to do stuff at work we don't want to do. I like to joke that that's why they give us money to show up. If we only ever got to do the cool stuff that we wanted to do, a lot of us would show up for free. I'm going to show you how to find joy in those terrible things so when you have to do them, you can get through them doing a good job, but without losing your soul in the process. I'm also going to talk about identifying your boundaries around that too. There are absolutely situations we are put in at work that we either don't want to be in or should not be in at all. And after that, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite things, treating the people you work with like trusted professionals and not like children. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. If money was no problem and you had all the time in the world, what would you do with yourself? This is a prompt I sometimes use with people I work with to flesh out their development plans or with consulting clients to help them realize what their passion is. In theory, the answer to this question is your true calling. We have the jobs that we have because of the salary or our experience, our time available, or other limiting factors. So what if there were no limits? There were no constraints? Now, if you're like me, your first answer would be something like, play Xbox nonstop until the controller battery died, or watch every episode of Star Trek, first in release order, and second in timeline chronological order. But, but while I would totally enjoy those things, I'd buy that for a dollar. That's not how I would spend my time. So you have to drill down a little bit more and that's going to get you valuable feedback. Stuff like, I'd coach Little League and help kids prep for college scouts. I'd volunteer at my kids' school and help in the library. Maybe, maybe even host a podcast talking about cool stuff. But I'll often try to drill down even further than that. You want to coach sports? Cool. That likely means you want to help people be better at a skill. Volunteering at a school? Maybe you want to teach or serve in some capacity. Podcasting? Well, that's helping people too. You help drill down to the thing that excites a person, and then you focus on developing that thing. Now, in this episode, I bring this up. Much like when we create and share vision, we have to live in two places at the same time. We have to be in the job we are in because of the paycheck or whatever, but we also have to identify and work to unlock the passion underneath it, the thing that excites us. 
Because if we can't do that, we're going to end up miserable in our day-to-day, and nobody wants that. Mariner ends up in some pretty rough spots in this episode. She loves being an ensign and doing the little stuff. She has fun, it's low stakes, and every now and then she gets to shine, like when she shows she's super competent and can solve big problems and big situations. But when that excitement gets taken away from her and... There, I'm done. Great work, Lieutenant. Now you get to audit the audit. Mm. Lieutenant Mariner, report to the officer's lounge for management training. She dies inside. A big part of the premise for this episode is Freeman wanting Mariner off the ship but not having the courage or the managerial skills to hold her accountable and force the issue. Instead, she does what far too many managers do and passive-aggressively tries to make this Mariner's problem. So, uh, Milton has been let go. Well, just a second there, Professor. We, uh, we fixed the glitch. So he won't be receiving a paycheck anymore, so it'll just work itself out naturally. Her first go at this is having all the garbage work that no one wants to do get assigned to her. She thinks that if she has to do terrible tasks, she'll get sick of it and ask for a transfer. But that's not what happens. No, you see, Mariner has a pretty good idea of what brings her excitement, and that's connecting with the people she works with. She finds ways to do that in all of the tasks that she's given, and she's actually really enjoying herself. Nirial is an author and entrepreneur that participated as part of the TED How to Be a Better Human series. He does an incredible job explaining how to find enjoyment in the kind of tasks Mariner is assigned. She follows his advice, but you don't really see it in action in this episode. You just see the results of it. You see, his secret and what Mariner does is pay close, foolish, even absurd attention to things. Think of the barista that spends hours, days, months perfecting a roast, or the Star Trek writer that takes great pains to write loving callbacks to tropes through 800 plus hours of content. They bring a pride in mastery and a drive to do better in what they are doing. And this is what Mariner does. She isn't halfway in her way through her work. No, she's finding ways to demonstrate mastery and pride. Folding shirts, not everyone's idea of fun, but in the hands of decluttering diva Marie Kondo, drudgery becomes almost an art. Like, When she's cleaning carbon from slightly harder carbon, she doesn't find a way to get it done quickly and then go do something else. No, she pulls a group of people together to challenge them to get the job done quickly and well. Not only is she finding a way to have fun and do her work well, but she's involving others as well. A big part of this is the nearly unconscious mindfulness that she's showing. Mindfulness is, put very simply, living in the now. This exact present moment. It's not reflecting on the past or planning or worrying about the future. Mindfulness is now. There are mindfulness meditations out there, and personally, I've struggled with them, but I continue to try, that have you simply exist. Notice your breathing. Feel the rub of the carpet on your ankle. Notice your muscles as they tense and relax. Like literally just being aware of you at the exact nanosecond. No consideration, no contemplation, just existing. In mundane tasks, this can look a lot of different ways. Personally, I hate folding laundry. I'm all about washing and drying it, but I wish there was a magic button that would fold it, hang it up, and put it all away. But there isn't. So I am working to turn folding laundry into a mindfulness practice. 
instead of sorting the clothes, planning for how many hangers I'll need and in what order I'll want my t-shirts to hang, you know, the cool t-shirts you can buy at starfleetleadership.academy forward slash store. But instead of living a few minutes ahead of myself, I live in the right now. I feel the fabrics. I notice the threading on the buttons. I'm aware of how light or heavy different articles of clothing are. This focuses me not on folding the laundry, which I hate, but on the interesting things happening right now. The things I let fly right past me when I'm worried about how many hangers I'm going to need. Mariner does this. She isn't worried about getting through her tasks so she can do something more fun. In fact, they never even bring up what she's missing out on. Just that these are supposed to be gross jobs. And we see it all pay off for her. She's finding little ways to inject joy into otherwise horrible tasks. Now I want to look at the other side of this. There are things we are asked or even expected to do that just aren't okay. I've shared stories before from the supervisor job I had when we would literally hire 20 people on a Monday and fire 20 people on a Friday, like clockwork. My coworker and I started wearing black on Fridays. We would spend a solid hour together after work commiserating because we just fired a whole bunch of people. It was awful and it was wrong. The leadership there believed and even stated multiple times that there was no reason for us as supervisors to get to know anyone that worked there. They were only as valuable as their production, and if that got too low, there were a 100 people waiting in line to take their place. It was abject inhumanity. I was in it, and so I went through some of these steps and tried to find ways to enjoy the work, but I just, I just couldn't. This was just morally reprehensible and wrong. So I left, which which is a whole lot easier to say now, nearly 20 years later, than it was to actually do it at the time. And spoiler alert, though, it all worked out just fine. Now, if this hits something for you, no, please hear me. This will all turn out okay. You will be fine. I mentioned identifying your boundaries as to what and when it's okay to work to find joy and excitement in tasks and when they're just not compatible with you. In Tendi's Ascension storyline, we actually get a really solid example of how you can identify those boundaries. Sometimes it's easy. You're asked to do something illegal or clearly immoral. Those are like the cement medians on freeways, super obvious boundaries. But this example, and what I wanna share with you, is seeing the less apparent ones. Now this dude has been working for years to achieve ascension and Tendi ruins it. She pushes and pushes and eventually he breaks down and says that all of this has been a lie. I was what? Why? It's hard to stand out in Starfleet. This gave me an edge. He gave up on who he really was, creating an entirely different persona for the sole purpose of standing out and getting ahead. This, my friends, is the boundary. Compare this to Mariner and her approach to everything. At no point did she compromise who she was, and she was able to have a good time. Dude was not at all having a good time. So when you find yourself having to be someone else, having to give up who you are, know that you have reached a boundary and you need to start looking at this very differently. As leaders, though, we also need to be aware of when we are actively encouraging others to be someone they're not. This can show up when someone doesn't jive with the work culture you've built or you're asking for different skill sets or, or, or things like that, but, but it really all comes back to you. How do you treat the people that you work with? 
Do you trust them to do the job they were hired for? Or do you get in there and manage all the details of how they do their work? Oh, does baby want to go to the movies? Okay, baby, let's go to the movies. I want to paint a picture for you. This is based on a company I did some consulting with, but this happens everywhere. And it is one of the biggest crimes we commit on a daily basis in our professional worlds. This company was hiring for a developer with a very specific skill set. On top of understanding the language, having the appropriate certifications and other objective check the box or don't check the box qualifications, they recruited for a few other softer skills that probably sound very familiar to you. Team player, collaborator, innovator, you know, all the buzzwords that we use to describe an individual contributor that is creative and attaches to the greater whole, a thing that we all say we want. So they hired somebody super qualified, even had great examples of how they had innovated in prior positions, improving productivity and, and all that great stuff. Now, fast forward about three months and the company has fired this person. Now, why? <laughs> I got a pretty good feeling you know why. This happens a lot out there. This person was fired because they questioned processes and, quote, distracted team members by talking about different ways of doing things, unquote. The person literally did the thing they were hired to do, but management didn't like that, so they fired him. Mariner brings that up in this episode when she's working with her mom, Freeman, to get through the terraformed rock formations. I am good at this, just trust me. What? I'm just looking out for you. Yeah, that's the whole problem, mom. You treat me like a child. Well, it's not exactly the same. This isn't her doing the thing she was hired for, but butts up against management's ego. But this is management thinking they know best despite what they say. Let's look at the hiring example again real quick. Management wants to have all the things the articles and TED Talks tell us we need, so they ask for those things in the hiring process. But day-to-day -day operations, they still believe they, management, know better than the people doing the work. So when their processes or approaches are challenged, they don't listen and learn. They remove the questions. It ties to the fatal disease that so many managers have but aren't even aware of, ivory tower syndrome. Now, I don't think this is a real thing. You're not going to find it in any medical books or journals, not even the DSM, but, but it is 100% a disease that needs treatment. Put simply, ivory tower syndrome, or ITS, is where people that do not do the work dictate how work is to be done. The symptoms of ITS range from dissatisfaction from employees to high defect rates, lost productivity, all the way to outright active disengagement of the people you work with and terrible service delivery. Fighting those one-star Google and Yelp reviews? Got a bunch of bad entries on Glassdoor? Yeah, you might be suffering from ivory tower syndrome. But do not despair. There is good news. This is not the end for you. ITS is not a terminal disease if it is identified and treated. And the treatment? Stop treating your team like children. You hire a person to write code? Let them write code. You hire for innovation? Let them innovate. Here's a thing I've done that keeps me on track and helps the managers I work with understand their role. Anytime you as a manager become directly involved in the work itself, either doing it or making a non-emergency operational decision about it, consider that a failure of leadership and an opportunity for improvement. 
This could be an opportunity for you to step back and truly trust your team. It could also be an opportunity to help build the competence of the people on the team. In the 68th episode of the podcast, where we watched the original animated series episode, The Infinite Vulcan, I talked about David Marquet's concept that the level of control given to people over their work is the direct result of the level of competence and clarity they have. When you are inserted into the actual work, you likely need to provide more clarity in the work that is being done or more competence in how they're doing it. As a leader, you are hiring skilled people to do the important work of your organization. So let them do the work. Acknowledge their skill. Ensure they know and understand the mission and values that your work is done in, and then follow the single most important piece of advice I have ever given. Get out of their way. One of my favorite things is when I get to read the reviews that you leave for the show. Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Podchaser, wherever you leave them, I love reading them. If you haven't already, head into your podcast listening app and leave a review for the show. I just might read it on an upcoming episode. And when you do leave that review, take a screenshot and share it on social media. I'm on Twitter and Mastodon at SFLA Podcast and Instagram at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff, T as in terraforming, A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. The 12th episode of the first season of Deep Space Nine, Vortex. This is an early Odo episode where travelers from the Gamma Quadrant claim to know about his people. I think the aliens in this one have a cool, uniquely alien thing about them too. I don't really remember, but all too often aliens in Star Trek are really just humans with some uncomfortable makeup, and I remember this one going a little deeper than that. I'm eager to find out if I'm remembering that correctly, and I'm excited to do that with you. So until next time, Ex Astra Scientia! In the 30th episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, Discovery, Choose Your Pain, I talked about the incredible performance review that Saru set up for himself. Now, there's a tool that enables you to do the same thing for yourself and your teams. For your free copy of this tool, visit starfleetleadership.academy and join the mailing list. You'll not only get a free copy of this incredible tool, but you'll also hear about other cool things going on with the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit starfleetleadership.academy today and get your free copy. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. 
I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast. Electricast.